All right. So <clears throat> he's known and respected as an outspoken defender of the culture and perpetual bridger of gaps. And our next correspondent can teach us all a thing or two about going from legacy to legal without losing your soul in the process. He's the co-founder and president of Poppin' Barkley and hands down one of my favorite OGs in the game. Up next is Guy Rocourt. What you got for us today, my brother? Good morning, Rico. Thank you. Uh, good morning, Susan. Good morning, Nicole. Team. Uh, yeah, today is, uh, you know, this one's near and dear to my heart because I feel like I, I'm literally living a similar situation. Uh, this is coming out of MJ Biz Daily. Once high flying flow cannabis co falls to earth amid woes offering lessons for others. And definitely, I suggested everybody go read this full article because there are definitely lessons learned here about things not to do and things we might be able to do in the compliant industry. So Flow Cannabis Co., also known as Flow Connor, which was launched in 2015, was an early and vocal advocate for small growers in Humboldt, Mendo, and Trinity counties, really being that large aggregator of sun-grown cannabis. You know, the company bought a large nor Northern California wine estate in 2017. The goal was to transform the historic property into a cannabis institute catering to small batch cannabis growers. Um, Flocana, you know, essentially started driving this, you know, they really wanted this to go. Michael Simons, a co-founder and CEO and current chief uh, servant officer of Flow Cannabis, Flocana, previously likened the company to household brands such as Sunkiss, Uber, and Whole Foods, which enlist a model where centralized entity aggregates and so sharing the profit. So again, this was to empower small farmers to have a place where they could bring their 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 crop, and then Flocana would either repackage it for their brand or sell it to others. And that I think was going well. But of course, what are the lessons to be learned? Well, one you know, overly ambitious and ill-advised assumptions, meaning we thought deschedule or bust. We thought Uncle Sam would legalize earlier, and that, of course, did not happen, right? Um, Steinmetz, who's, you know, so passionate about understanding this broken regulatory system, has um, joined the California Cannabis uh, Industry Association in an effort to try to stop these things. And uh, I believe today and uh, on the 13th, they had a rally in Sacramento trying to get these taxes um, dealt with so that maybe the traditional or the compliant market can actually um, work. So of course, between not being able to pay their farmers, not getting paid by dispensaries and such, Flocon continued to get into more and more and more issues. They lost some favor with their local community because unfortunately it was found that one of their employees um, was responsible for a fire in Mendo, a pretty big one. Um, there's not much details in this article and I don't know much about it, but like that's, you know, community relations are key. It's also cited in the article that the biggest value or, or equity value in the Emerald Triangle is relationships and trust, right? That is still a big thing. And so, of course, pissing off your neighbors by having one of your employees start a fire doesn't go well to that. But Flow Cannabis future, just like all our futures, is up in the air, right? They are still struggling to figure out how do we stay compliant? How can we sell cannabis with all these taxes being overgrown and all this just mess that we're talking about in all these articles lead back to the fact that somehow we got put into a position where we have a marketplace that should be thriving, but we're still being held back from taxes and just crazy regulations. And if you're at the flower level, it's even more pronounced, right? Flow Cannabis at one point had 800 points of sale in the market to 5,000 dispensaries during the heyday of medical prop 215. 
right now they're lucky three and only 150 pay them on time, right? That's something that all cannabis companies are doing. Our supply chain is so broken that it doesn't matter if you try to resize your company because your A&R might not work because your front people are not paying you, right? You then have supply chain issues on the back end because folks might be going out of business because nobody's paying them, right? So we definitely have a huge issue here in California, which I think has been highlighted by many of these other um other other articles that we've been hearing over the last couple of days. So, you know, again, I, I, I encourage everybody to read. I'm not doing this fairly lengthy, in-depth article justice. I'm not going to go into some of the board and financial stuff because, candidly, I'm literally in the same situation with similar people and don't want to uh, allow myself to say too much. Suffice it to say, we took capital early. We thought we were getting a real industry. We tried to play like the big boys, and I think they're screwing us. That's my opinion personally. I think that if you look at the Flow Connor model, it's that classic example of here's some money, go ahead, do it, but support you at the legislative level. Our big dollars from these bigger investors are not going to go to Sacramento to put pressure on them. In fact, we're just going to wait till you bleed out and then we're just going to aggregate you into the usual suspects of Bank of America and JP Morgan owned companies. And I, 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 I'm just, look, you guys, this is awful. And it's as nefarious as it sounds. We all need to get our heads back in the game and figure out how we can start to push back against these kinds of things. Because Flocana is not the first, and they certainly won't be the last company that has at least some cultural heart that's getting squeezed out. Not because they're bad business operators, but because the environment is not geared towards successful growth of cannabis companies. Gee, I'll leave it there for our thoughts. Yeah. I'm real quick reporting for the State of Cannabis News Hour. Thank you, Guy. Um, we, we're at time at this, but a lot of people uh, want to weigh in. I want to talk about the, the fire, which was a lawnmower, but I don't have time for that. I want to talk about the freeway, the community outreach, the freeway, adopt a freeway thing, but I don't have time for that. Uh, and I want to talk about the taxes, but I don't have time for that. But I do want to talk about Prop 64 and the the lie that was sold to the farmers because the farmers didn't support Prop 19, so they were lied to. They were told that there was going to be a one-acre cap, and that was bullshit from the beginning. But I want to turn it over to Eric and then Chemo, and then we're probably going to need to move on. Hey, thank you, Susan and Gee. Thank you so much for bringing this up. And I've interviewed Mikey multiple times. I know the company well. I was so excited about what they were doing. But one thing that is missing from what you talked about is there was a serious break in trust, what Mikey did with the farmers. And I'm not gonna get too deep into that because a lot of this was on NDA from the farmers, but he undercut his people and there was some serious repercussions. He lost every rock star grower he had because of what some, some practices they were doing. So there's more to this story than just, of course, the oppressive taxes. That's a huge part of it. Well, the story says that they came back, that 20 out of 23 came back. I, the top, we all know who the top growers are. They left and they're still gone. Okay, good to know. Um, good to know. Thank you. Chemo. Yeah, I just wanted to say quickly that uh, Karma's a motherfucker. Uh, Flo Canna came on to the scene and uh, was operating with what I believe is very predatory uh, business practices. And a lot of uh, sun-grown farmers were looking to them for as a, a distribution uh, outlet for them. And they failed many, many people. So fuck Flo Canna. You got what you got coming. <laughs> okay, well, uh, Thomas was jumping up and down, raising his hand, so we're going to give you the last one. Well, you know, I really would love to pass it. I invited the writer of the article to come in. Her name is Jackie Bryant, and she's down below um, in case there's anyone who wants to ask her a direct question. 
I've seen this story brewing for quite some time. The fire is fascinating, but really it's that relationship thing. And that was really, really muddled. And obviously that puts a real dent in what they were really trying to accomplish. Jackie, thank you so much for joining us on stage. Definitely any insight or anything that you think that we need to make sure that we uh, don't miss on this article, on this headline. Yeah, can you guys hear me? Sorry, I haven't used Clubhouse in a long time. So I just wanna make sure everyone can hear yes, me, ma'am. right? Cool. So, um, hi everybody. Uh, thanks for, thanks for caring. Basically that's, that's the, the most important thing, right? That's why we do this. But, um, I only just popped in, so I, I haven't heard any of this discussion, but I do want to clear something up. 20 farmers technically are currently contracted with the company. Please keep in mind that that is based on what they have told me. We have no real way of independently verifying that unless we get documents or somebody decides to go on record but apart from that. But what I do want to make clear is that 20 farmers technically are contracted with them right now. They were not the original farmers. Um, like maybe a couple of them have sold to them since they left in, in, in some way, but um, in no way was it 20 of 23 came back. It is just that there are 20 in the mix now that um, the original farmers are not included. So I want to make that really clear. Um, I don't know if anybody has any questions. They might have tried to hustle some new people is what it sounds like. There are definitely newer people involved. Um, I can't say, you know, I will not say whether or not I consider it a hustle or not, but um, there are new farmers in the mix. But I also want to remind everybody that like there isn't the world's biggest market for sun grown flour right now, as we know. And so truthfully, as one of the largest and only buyers in bulk of sun grown flour, even if farmers have problems with the company, they don't even necessarily have anyone else to sell to. So in quiet or in private, they made- There's plenty of other people. So uh, trust me, I agree. I'm just letting you know that if, if some farmers have decided to go back, it's not necessarily because they love the company. It's because they may have felt that they had nowhere else to go. Yeah, no, thank you for the color on, on the farmers. And, you know, I just, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that aggregators, it's always a hard model. We started our own procurement department and I've candidly had to call farmers and try to put some payment plans. I owed money. And because I'm not even collecting from dispensaries, I've had to call them and had those hard, hard conversations. I think it's hard to really know unless you're doing it. It's just, those are all difficult conversations. Nobody wants to stiff anybody, but like, if we're not getting paid, how do we pay when we're in the middle like that? So I, I am sympathetic to that, but I think we should also just focus on the fact that that's part of it, bad, you know, not being the best business operator, but even if you are the best business operator, there's an environment here in California that's not sustainable for us to actually win. And I think that's the true root of this issue. Very true. And, mm. and and I do think for a lot of the farmers um, in this specific scenario, based on their interviews with me, and, and I have to say, I, I have I have at least 15 hours of interviews on tape with with close to 20 farmers, um, you know, from over the years. So this was extensively, extensively reported and, and, and documented. But um, I do think like it just makes sense to mention that. Oh, sorry. Hold on one sec. Let me turn this phone call off. Um, sorry, I lost the thread there, but um, it, it, yeah, like the, l l there's there's a lot of gray areas here. I do think it's important that the farmers to this day still feel particularly aggrieved, I think because a lot of the relationships had turned very personal and there was a lot of, um, you know, personal 
appeals from management to the farmers to get your friends involved, get your community involved. Hey, we'll come, you know, the, 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 they hung out. It was social. Um, the relationships became very personal. And I think that extra layer provided a, 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 an environment for a really big breakdown once that contract dispute came into relief because people felt that this had become personal and that the the personal was brought into the business led by management and that they had a responsibility to kind of honor that whereas management was like well this is business and it is what it is so i think that's really where the discrepancy is it's not so much that the price changed and they were forced to reckon that it's that they felt that they were discarded and that over and over was kind of like the main theme in in the interviews that i conducted Ultimately, California needs to repeal the cultivation tax if we want these cultivators to be able and farmers to be able yep. to succeed. And we need to open up interstate trade and pass the state's reform act and everyone needs to get on board. But 100%, we need to get that sun-grown cannabis out to these states that are having just ridiculous carbon, you know, carbon footprints while still growing booth. So yeah, 100% on that. And yeah, I, 100%. so sad what's happening. 100% Guy. California is the number one brand in cannabis in the entire globe and the whole world wants California cannabis. So let's give it to them. If I could yeah. just add really quickly to what Jackie was saying that she's so right. It's the one word these farmers will tell you over and over from Flocon and some others is betrayal. They, they, they created this sense of trust. They could trust them and then they, they really feel betrayed. That's that's the bottom word. Yeah, that's true. Look, we work with over like 50 small farms, some of them really small. And I'm calling people personally saying, hey, if I delay this payment, does that mean you may, may, may miss a mortgage payment? And so it is about betrayal. And just like your friends, it's like if I don't have it, the least I can do is call you and tell you I don't have it. Understand what your situation is. And like, yeah, my days now are spent calling people trying to manage my money and the money I owe them in a respectful way so that it doesn't become awful because i just got to be honest and transparent and i don't know about the flocana situation that's how i'm handling it and there's probably a lot of other manufacturers that have purchased flour over the last full term and have you know chits do and either have ar issues or their business are failing and then yeah then they have an excise tax bill who gets the money first you know yeah it's really crazy out here you guys but you know, honesty and transparency with your partners is the only way we get through this as a community. Totally, and I think that's what was missing in this case because I do know that a lot of those farmers have left that are working with different distributors now aren't exactly being paid out on those contracts either for exactly the reasons you just described, but they're less pissed. And I think that that, it, again, just speaks to everything that, that we've been talking about it. You've been tuned in to the State of Cannabis News Hour, where we collectively move policy forward in an inclusive and sustainable way. Start your morning on a high note and join us every weekday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for the State of Cannabis News Hour, your daily dose.